Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Big show had a lot of good guests. Uh, traffic report. Traffic report. 215 is closed oh. uh, around the Durango curve, and the Sunset Overpass is closed. And you, if you're on 215, you're going to get redirected off. Uh, I got redirected off at Durango coming like from Henderson towards Summerlin. If you're going the opposite way, I don't know where they're directing you off, but some somewhere before sunset. So There's your traffic sunset. Report. We're not yeah, sure. We're I not do sure not know. I thought I was going to be late because here's the problem. I ordered Chick-fil-A ahead of time on my phone. <laughs> so I had already ordered Chick-fil-A and then we got directed off 215. So I was like, well, I'm still going to get Chick-fil-A. I already paid for this. So I thought I was going to be late. Getting Chick Fil A. Which which Chick Fil A did you go to? The one right down on Flamingo here. There's one right over. Yeah, over the overpass. Yeah, other side of two fifteen. By the Popeyes. So, yeah. So you a had much to, better chicken place. Yeah. You had to come up to. Yeah. You had to come up to Flamingo. Yeah. Past this studio. You drove right past the radio station. Like there's like, nobody hope, there. Hopefully I'll be back <laughs> before the show starts. Got my Chick Fil A and then came back. Well, you got. I mean, it's priorities. Yeah, I, already, I already paid for it. It's like if I miss the first few minutes, they'll survive. But I heard I'm not wasting my ten bucks that I spent this morning. Oh uh, boy, you're something. I saw you walk in with the bag. Yeah, priorities. Come on. I guess I'll have to wait until I make it past the Durango curve next time to order my Chick Fil A ahead of time. Are you going to give me good vibes? I have to leave a little early for the Raiders. That by the time I leave, after we have Adam Hill on at nine o'clock from the Raiders facility, that it will be cleared up. I hope so. That's two hours from now. I mean, it's, it's been going on for an hour already. I, you. You could listen to the commercials because we do a traffic report every like 15 minutes. Is it, it's updated? Yes. Okay. I, uh, it literally, I, in it, breaks, I usually take the headsets off. I, I have our I have about. our internal library set to most recent date created, and traffic is the first thing that's okay. on the list. All right. Well, I'll look forward to it. The first bite. Who is starting on the Raiders offensive line? Not Denzel Good. Okay. We know that. Here's a Simpson? Fu- here's a fun fact. They have had more offensive linemen retire this offseason than signed or drafted. That's a really fun fact. Denzel Good and uh, Richie Incognito. Yes. That's that's amazing <laughs> given they still have $20 million in the cap space and they have some questions on the offensive line and they haven't brought anyone in. So Denzel Good retired yesterday. Do you have any idea why? Was this injury-related? Well, he had the ACL. Um, yeah, that'd do it. When things happen like this, sometimes there's more to it that you don't find out. Uh, I don't know if that's the case, but, you know, he's seven years in the league. He had the ba- bad ACL. If there is something more, um, you understand. So, yeah, I don't, he, I, don't, I don't know beyond the ACL. I don't know. I know it's just been, you know, shirts and shorts, walk-through right. type of stuff. But he was out, yeah. he was out there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was a part of practices. John, uh, Lester Cotton actually was uh, a guy getting a lot of work, though. Okay. But did, but you saw yes. Denzel Good. Okay. I, that's what I thought. I thought that he had been out there. So it's, I don't know, it's weird because, like you said, you can sort of come up with an idea of, oh, well, you know, he had an ACL injury. Yeah, I think he's 31 years old. So, like, 
maybe there's an injury reason there. It just is strange because he was, in fact, a part of I practice just, that he'd be too hurt to play and and forced to retire in that sense. Yeah, I mean, again, I beyond the beyond the knee, who knows? I mean, it could be something uh, more serious, or it could be something in his life. I, I don't know what it is, but we just know he's on the retired list now, and they've got to move forward, and they've got to fill someone. I think Lester Cotton gets the first shot at right guard, and you have Miller Simpson, uh, Lester Cotton, Brandon Parker's been taking the first team reps, if you want to call it that, in shorts uh, at right tackle. And I don't know what this means for Dylan Parham now, the rookie, because he's been doing a lot of center behind Andre James, and he hasn't looked great on some snaps. So maybe this is an easier way to like get him over to guard. So Lester Cotton could be a starting right guard for this team, and the Raiders could have Alex Leatherwood and Dylan Parham not start this season? They could. Sure. Yeah. Man. Their I know first they round pick and their top pick from this year's. I draft. know they didn't draft Dylan Parham with like a high pick because they traded him for Devontae Adams. But you have Denzel Good retire. You do not sign any other right tackle or right guard, and you're telling me there's a chance neither one of those two start. That's that's rough because like we know Brandon Parker's not good. We've got like three years of Brandon Parker not being good. Hell, Brandon Parker like his worst game ever was against Josh McDaniels and the Patriots like two years ago. Like he was, he got to start and was atrocious in that game. Like McDaniel should know that Parker's not good. They've they gotta sign somebody, right? I would think this. that. Well, they definitely have the money to do it. <sighs> Who's out there though? Who's out there at this point? If he beats the gun charges, Dwayne Brown. <laughs> it's always a good caveat there. <laughs> well, I mean, he's the best available that I see. Besides, like, do you want Nate Solder? I thought he retired. I'm Probably. not gonna be. I'm not gonna kid around here and say that I know every offensive lineman who's available at this point in free agency. Eric Jared? Fisher, he's available. I mean, these you like, would know Eric Fisher. How old is Eric Fisher? Thirty-one. Oh. One of the biggest. Oh, one minute. of the biggest busts of all time. But I actually thought he was older than that. <laughs> I did too. I thought he's been around I, like more than forever. No, nope, he's just been that bad for that long. I mean, Lester Cotton's played nine games in his career. Nine, and they they might seriously walk in the next year. With Lester Cotton and Brandon Brian Parker, he's got to be old, right? I feel like he played with Brett 33. Favre and Aaron Rodgers. God, 30, 33, thirty-three for an offensive lineman. It's pretty. That's getting probably up there. Old. Oh, I'm I'm offering there. you guys all over thirty. That is who is available. Well, all the under thirty guys <laughs> signed a long time ago. Like, there's maybe I just, it's Jermaine Elamore. I guess he wasn't very good last yeah. year. Well, either. none of them, other than Cole like, Miller, the, were really good. Here, here's the fascinating part. They didn't bring anybody in. So all the potential options are guys that weren't better than Alex Leatherwood last year. Like all these guys couldn't play over Alex Leatherwood last year. And Alex Leatherwood was awful. So I'm just, I'm fascinated. We've talked a ton about the offensive line, how they didn't do anything to help it at all this offseason. And now we're talking about Denzel Good retiring, who was outside of Colton Miller, probably has the best career of Mm -hmm. any of their potential options. He's gone now, and this offensive line could be a nightmare. Like be a we've disaster. Ta- we've talked about it being bad. The names we're talking about are we talking about like the thirty second ranked offensive line in football at the end Simpson. of the year? I get Colton Miller's okay. I'll say this: Colton Miller's too good for them to be ranked thirty second. Right. Colton Miller's good enough that they won't be the worst offensive line in football. But the other four names that we're talking about them putting out there, like it's going to be. 
29th, and hey, that Colton Miller guy, he's got some really good numbers this year. You have this down here, because I don't think McDaniels and Ziggler will feel an affinity to Alex Leatherwood because he was drafted first round, because they can always say back and say, come back and say, we didn't draft him. Right. We have nothing to do with this. Right. He was somebody I mean, if they think he's the best pick. guy, they'll play him. Yes. But I don't think they're going to play him because, like, well, he's a first-round pick and we can't look bad. No. They might rather the other people look bad anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Leatherwood will get a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more leeway be- still because he was a first-round right. pick. Like I think it, because in the NFL, you get that fifth year rookie option. So if a first round pick sort of works out, you get that extra year of that contract. So he'll probably get a little bit more leeway in Just that regard. See. Right. I don't yeah. think they'll cut him. They probably won't. They no, won't, they won't start him because he was a first round pick. But I don't think they're going right. to cut. Him. I don't know. No, even no, if, not at this point. Right. They don't, well, who, who else do they have? That's fair. But like, even if they decided, oh, he's our. 11th best lineman. I don't think they would cut him. I think no. they'd keep him around simply because maybe there's some upside there and, you know, he struggled in his first year. But I, here's the thing. It's been talked about a lot with rookie offensive linemen. That position, probably more than any other position in football, guys that struggle immediately can actually go on to have good careers. They can get better there, even their second year. Most Absolutely. positions in the NFL, if you're bad, like Leatherwood was one of the worst guards and tackles in football last year. If you're that bad at your position, you're never getting good. Offensive lineman's probably the one spot where there's a legitimate, you know, okay, you you actually can improve from right. that bad. Colton Miller was not as bad as Alex Leatherwood, but Colton Miller wasn't good his first year no. either. And he improved a lot. So there is sort of that, idea that hey Alex Otherwood sure he was bad but he could be better but if you're telling me that I know it's shirts and shorts but if you're telling me that Brandon Parker is getting he's, getting, reps he's ahead been of getting him, the reps ahead of him yes that's not to me that's not a very good sign that Alex Otherwood's going to be anything what about any Alex point. Leatherwood because he's gotten reps at tackle tackle and guard what if he goes inside I, yeah I mean I he mean, wasn't very good at either spot last year I mean <laughs> that's I I I would he wasn't good, but again, Lester Cotton has nine career games in three seasons. Like, not that you feel good about Alex Otherwood playing right guard, but lest you don't feel good about Lester Cotton, at least I think you can sell people on the upside of, hey, Alex Leatherwood, yeah, he was out of position at tackle. He's going to be the starting right guard. Right. We think he's going to get a lot better yeah. because he's going to play the entire season there. But I'll tell you what, with all the positive thinking about the offense, Counting on guys getting better is not a good omen for an <laughs> offensive line. You know what I mean? It's like, well, maybe he'll be better. It's like, well, you need him to be better now because all we're hearing about how explosive this offense is going to be, well, it's not going to be if Derek Carr is running for his life every play. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so I, the last thing you want is Alex Leatherwood's inside, and maybe hopefully he'll improve. Okay. I mean, how bad is that? The Raiders this year, if their offensive line is like – an average NFL offensive line. The new O-line coach, uh, what is it, Carmen Brasillo, I think is how you say his last name. He's got to be hired away as a head coach somewhere else next season. <laughs> like, if this offensive line is good, that guy's got to be gone somewhere. <laughs> like, there's there, the names, we're, we're talking about somebody named Lester Cotton. That sounds like a cartoon character. That might be their starting right guard. We know Brandon Parker's bad. And he and might be the starting, starting right, right tackle. tackle. What? Like, there's there if they're remotely average this year, a hell of a job by the offensive line I'm, coach. I am pretty sure if you let me have uh, 
if you if you let me have the French Canadian guy who refuses to come back to the United States, I could build a better offensive line using active free agents. Just considering starting with Fisher. Oh no, I do Dwayne Brown, J.C. Treader, Balaga, well Eric Flowers, but like uh, Duvernay Tardif. <laughs> like I could, I could put together. A, I think it's Duvernay. Whatever. <laughs> Do I look French to you? <laughs> I just, I can't believe the names that we're talking about. And that Leatherwood and Dylan Parham, if those two can't start on this offensive line, what what are we doing with those two? I guess maybe. Well, we especially can, Leatherwood. Yeah, maybe especially we give Parham a little bit of a break yeah. because he's what, a, a third-round pick rookie. But still, like, Lester Cotton? What round was Lester Cotton even drafted? Like, what are we doing here? What happened to Jared he Jones? Smith? Another Alabama guy. Mr. Cotton was not drafted. Can we get Jared Jones Smith? Oh, what happened to him? I remember, s- remember when Mike Mayock signed him off the street? That was a great day. He was walking down the street and he signed him. That's right. And it turns out he had been on the team for a long time. Jeez, you can't even type Jared Jones Smith without it popping up. Oh, he's with the Ravens. They lost him. They lost the star that is Jared Jones Smith. Undrafted free agent for Lester Cotton. Yeah. From, Didn't get uh, drafted. How, how do you got? How are you alignment at Alabama? And you go drafted. That's Be- almost impossible because you get two national championships and three <laughs> knee surgeries. I mean, that's almost impossible for Alabama guys to go drafted. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some more NFL because Kyler Murray's contract is great. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care. I'm not planning on having a bad year, so uh, doesn't really matter to me. You guys can say what you want. I'll always treat you guys with respect. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not really worried about it. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. David Ross going to join us in about 10 minutes, but now we're going to make fun of some people first. Uh, did you see the clause in oh, Kyler yeah. Murray's yeah. contract? It's beautiful. Oh, my God. Uh, so there's a clause in Kyler Murray's contract that he must complete at least four hours of independent study each week that is defined as essentially watching film. There is a watch right. film clause in Kyler Murray's contract. And the, the best part to me was that they specifically put into this clause that he, it does not count. It, the, his hours will not count if he is distracted <laughs> while watching film, because he is also watching TV, browsing the internet or playing video games. Has Kyler Murray not been watching film his entire NFL career? This is beautiful. He's gone home and played Madden. And not watched film. And not watched film. And here's the thing. Independent study (laughs) insinuates at home, right? Yes. uh, It specifically says, like, in meetings does not count. Okay, so who's who's watching over this? I don't know. He got who's a monitor. Making, who's making sure? They're sitting at home with an iPad with parental controls I on mean, it that they can tell exactly how long he's if got you it put, on. If you put it in the contract, I assume you're really serious about it. <laughs> so I, how do you know he's not playing video games at the house? <laughs> you, you Jamarcus Russell him. You literally send him home with a blank iPad <laughs> and go, huh, did you like that film last night? <laughs> this, is, this is brutal. It's hilarious. Like, if you're, I, both sides look atrocious in this because obviously Kyler Murray looks bad because you're the quarterback. <laughs> he hasn't been watching a film. NFL team, and you're you're you have to be contractually obligated. And again, 
It's four hours a week. Yeah, not a day. Right. Some people were responding to the tweets about it saying, I feel like most quarterbacks watch four hours of film a day. Yeah. Not a week. We're not We're not even at an hour a day. My guy gets to take Fridays off. He gets given an hour on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then, ah, oh, no film for him on Friday. Like, for, Kyler Murray looks atrocious in this, but also the Cardinals. You just gave this guy a massive contract extension. And, and you're you afraid he doesn't watch film? Right. You don't trust him to watch film on his own? Unbelievable. Unbelievable that this is in the contract and that it got out. That's the other part. Who leaked this? Because this oh, was great. A, yeah, you can't you don't get these guys. This contracts. was a tweet from well, Ian Rappaport, a screenshot of the clause to Ian Rappaport. I mean, doesn't don't like we saw cars uh leak out in terms of it's only really a one year deal in Devontae Adams. Don't some things about contracts leak out? We get a lot of details on money and years and guaranteed money. That's pretty standard across the board. We don't often get weird clauses like right. this. And Rappaport had a screenshot of the contract. Like he wasn't How just many re- people have the contract? Right. Agent, player, and team, right? Maybe the team doesn't look at it as the way you look at it and think hey, we don't look bad and the team gave it to him well, to get it out there. So mm, the our in- junior staffer with the team was <laughs> yes. making a copy of it and went, wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the part about this that's interesting is that if Kyler Murray doesn't do this, the contract is void. Like, this is a clause that if yeah. you don't do this, but again, the contract I, is void. Then I go back to who's watching him. Yeah. So the interesting part is, like, what happens? We get into, like, year two of this contract. The Cardinals missed the playoffs this year. Kyler Murray's not playing well. Are they going to pull this out and be like, yeah, we don't owe you any more money because you didn't watch film last week for four hours? I mean, why put it in if you're not going <laughs> to uphold it, right? <laughs> So I'm I'm going <laughs> yeah, back to the original this, point. Is has he been watching film at all? No, there's zero chance. There, this has had to have been a an ongoing issue. problem. Yeah, this has had to have been like yes. Kingsbury has sat him down and been like, "Hey, you we need you film. to start watching more film, whatever." And he's just still has not done it. No, nope, he's playing video games. Right, that has to have been what's happened because. You would not randomly put this in a contract if the guy no, was already this was watching a complete film. Issue. Yeah, yeah, if he was doing it, if he was meeting no. their expectation of film. No, watching, this wouldn't be near his contract. Right. And here's the other part: the four hours part is also funny because I have to imagine if you're the Cardinals, you're expecting Kyler Murray to put in more than four hours. Well, worth you're of film expecting watching. him to watch film at yeah. the facility, right? Like most players do, but most players walk out of the facility, go home, and watch more right. film. And I think if you're the Cardinals and you're signing your quarterback to this, you're expecting him to be watching multiple hours a day. Yes. And all they could get in the contract was four hours. I want to be. I want to know the negotiation. That's what Where did I, the Cardinals right. start. Did the Cardinals start with like twelve hours a week? Twenty. And Kyler Murray was like, "Whoa, <laughs> I got whoa. video games. I got look. Call of Duty to play, guys. I'm it's, not. He's not playing." Virgin hey. Rivers back on Netflix. <laughs> Literally, it's like, well, okay, two hours a day. Come on, that's that's two hours a day, Monday through Friday. That's twenty hours. You're come on, and it's just like that's ten. Two hours a day, Monday through Friday. Yes, ten. that is ten. Yeah, it's ten. I can't do math. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> no, you. That's when. That's when it's like. Uh, what about like thirty minutes? <laughs> it's so great. I just, I also want to know, and they'll never give an answer, but somebody please ask Derek Carr at the next press conference about this. Or, oh no, he won't. He would. Or in a in he's a more talk about okay, contract in a more vague way, ask him how many hours of film he That's watches on his own. 
Because I, I listen, I want to know other quarterbacks across the NFL when they saw this yesterday that there was a clause in Kyler given how much money contract, he made, right? That he is contractually obligated to watch four hours of film. I want to know what other quarterbacks across the league thought. Like they had to have been like, "Excuse me, that's in your contract." Like I just, I just do that, and right. it's like twenty. It's not four because I make twenty to thirty million dollars a year. Right. Like I, I, I want to know what other quarterbacks thought because they have to be making fun of Kyler Murray. They have oh, sure. to be. Not only the quarterbacks, I think entire entire locker rooms. Yeah, if you're his teammate, they're not right the only now, ones who watched film. If you're his teammate right now, you're like, wait a minute. DeAndre Hopkins is like, hold up. No wonder he won't throw it to me. <laughs> he doesn't know where I am. <laughs> he's, he's home playing video games. Do you think he's got a group of friends that he plays video games with that are now disappointed? Like, oh, oh, I don't think he plays alone. Ky- I know he's yeah. got a group of friends. Yeah, they're now exactly. they're now bummed. They're like, yeah. oh, Kyle's, Kyle's got to watch, watch film. film. Ari, he plays video games with his teammates, and they're like, they're always signing off. Hey, man, I gotta go. I gotta go watch film, and he's <laughs> yeah. just like, guys, come on. <laughs> I don't watch film, and they're like, we know. <laughs> We've seen you play. We've seen you running around not knowing where the receivers are. Second half of the season. We're very aware. Everybody else has watched film after eight weeks. You haven't, so we start to suck. Maybe this explains it. Everybody else starts watching film and finds weaknesses, and Kyler Murray's like, nope, doing the same this, thing. So I, I think the enforcement is they'll send him home with specific film to watch, and it'll be like a check mark, like they... I've, I've taken some, online I mean, classes that are that way, where yeah. it's like you watch the video, except that the online classes, I would just read the book, and then it was like, well, here's a video of what you were supposed right. to read, and I'd just pull that little thing all the way to the right, and yeah. it would just give me a green check mark, and I'd just be like, all I'm, right, well, that was eight minutes. I mean, they didn't put the clause in if they weren't going to check on it. Right. So I have no idea how they're checking on it. It's so great. It's so great. And... Are you taking the guy's word for it? He's not going to say he didn't watch film. If you've got to, he put must. It, but if you had to put it in the contract, he must have been saying, "Right, he must." I have, don't watch film. Yeah. Right, they might have gotten him with the Jamarcus Russell blank tape thing, Jared. Like that might have happened. They might have sent oh, him man. some file and said, "Hey, check this out." And he came in the next day and was like, "Yeah." What, yeah. Jamarcus Russell was like, "Oh, blitz packages or something, right?" Like that's what I, the, that's what I, he said I the blank tape yeah. was about. They might have gotten him with the Jamarcus Russell. He's just. A little bit better than Jamarcus Russell, so they were like, yeah, we'll keep him around. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're on one. I lost count. Dishwasher watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to the distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code distract for a free month of Stitcher premium. When the ending comes. David, do you think there are any other football players that have a clause in their contract requiring them to watch four hours of film, or is it just Kyler Murray? I mean, if there were, I feel like we'd know about it. Because certainly that yesterday, the idea of a grown man who's about to become a centimillionaire having, like, basically homework requirements. (laughs) Like, he's got to bill hours the way that lawyers do. Like, I don't know how exactly you're going to measure that he's on his, uh, let's not an iPad, but you know Microsoft Surface, the official uh, <laughs> handheld device of the of the NFL. Like, how are they gonna? It just seems like they embarrassed him for no reason, and also they're not gonna actually get what they want from it. I know myself as somebody who hated doing homework and has uh, disappointed everybody that's ever employed me. Uh, the more you tell me that I need to do something, the less I want to do it. 
And I don't feel like if you have to tell Kyler Murray that he needs to watch game tape for four hours a day, he's just not going to do that. We were thinking of some creative ways of how they could police this. I mean, it has to, it's all going to involve like net nanny stuff. Like it's basically, they're going to have to treat him the way that like my sister treats her uh, seven year old's YouTube viewing. It's going to be a lot, a lot of like very heavily gated experiences and monitoring. But yeah, I don't. I hope that they can find a way to. You know, like I don't think they phased him out. But do you remember uh, Clippy when he would come up when you were using Microsoft Word? Yes. Yeah. There should be like a, a version of that for Kyler Murray. Like if he's been booping around on Instagram and scrolling for too long, like Clippy should pop up and be like, "It looks like you're enjoying watching videos. Would you like to watch video of your performance against the Green Bay Packers in Week Three? Uh, the other part of this that I'm curious about is who leaked that specific clause because Ian Rappaport, when he reported this, had a screenshot of the contract as if to imply somebody took a picture of just that clause and leaked it out. It really makes you wonder, right? Because, like, who exactly, what do you gain from that? I mean, it makes the agent look bad. Obviously, they've had to, like, sort of scramble afterwards where, like, there was some sort of statement. Where they were like, of course, uh, Kyler Murray watches uh, five hours of film uh, a day. They just wanted to make sure that, you know, four is just a baseline. That's just a number everybody threw out. Like, just kind of, like, furious damage control right in the immediate aftermath of it. Would the Cardinals have any interest in this, though? Like, I don't see the angle. It might just be that it was so weird that some functionary saw it, took a picture of it, sent it to their friends, and then through the magic of the internet, it somehow winds up, you know, 24 hours later in Ian Rappaport's inbox. I mean, wouldn't it... I thought it had to be the team. It couldn't have been yeah, him or it, it couldn't have been his It feels agent. like the team. It feels like the team to put it out there and, I don't know, to embarrass him, but to kind of protect themselves against if they move on from him and don't pay him the money. Yeah. I mean, it already kind of feels like there's... For a relationship that you know, produces, I mean, most of the winning footballs in the middle of the season, but for a, you know, a relationship that mostly seems to work, there's always been uh, some very strange vibes about his really, his uh, deal with that team. It feels to me that like, I mean, they, they basically brought in a coach specifically to, you know, implement a system for him. The numbers are always good, but there's something about, maybe it's just the way that the Cardinals are. I mean, like before, they had this kind of like they had these stretches of you know persistent competence, but I'm old enough to remember you know it's the same ownership family. The Cardinals have been the Cardinals for like basically my entire life. So if some you know weirdo in the front office, or if the owners that you know got a wild hair and decided they hated their quarterback, like sometimes that's as interesting to a chief executive or to an owner of a football team as building a winning football team. I don't understand it personally, but you see it in all different sports. So like it, it feels like a vendetta, but it's so weird. And so like unmotivated at this point, like it's so self-defeating that it's sort of hard to parse if you're not uh, like literally the owner of a football team. All right. Our number one Mets fan on the show are the Mets better than the Braves. Uh, I mean, not for the last month, but nobody has them. I mean, like the, I, I feel like, I'm putting a lot of weight on the series that the Mets played with Atlanta shortly before the All-Star break. And in that series, they did look better than the Braves. But also, the Braves have been playing like the 27 Yankees for two months now. So I don't know, <laughs> you know like, where any of that lands. I think the Mets are going to get better if DeGrom comes back. I also feel like they're going to make some actual moves. I love them uh, getting my, my big son, Dan Vogelbach, 
on the uh, oh. <laughs> into the mix. He ran around Got the bases watch. a lot on Saturday or Sunday night. Baseball. I know that all I want is him scoring from second on singles. <laughs> like if that happens like three or four more times this season, I'm pretty much set. It's gravy if there's a postseason at all. I just love watching him move around. Uh, he's apparently, apparently he is also like he's listed. At, I think it's like six foot two seventy and. The people I know that have like monitored this stuff are like that is both shorter and lighter than he actually is. Like he is a truly remarkable specimen for a professional athlete. Um, but they, you know, there's there's room to improve there, and I don't know what they're going to do. I think if they do what they did last year and they make one move, and then they count on that move to work out as well as training for Joanna Cespedes did in 2015. The Braves will do what they did last year, which is like make a bunch of moves, hit on some of them, and get better. I don't think the Mets are going to make that mistake again, though. I, I have this feeling that there's some increased understanding and impulse to be a normal baseball team there, and like I don't know that it's exactly outpaced the sort of legacy Wilpon inertia, but it feels like there's movement in the right direction. I, but the Braves are awfully good, and I don't know... I don't think I really like underestimated them. To me, like it would be nice to finish in first place if they are neck and neck with the Braves and the Mets wind up the wild card. You know, like this is a process, and I think that even as a wild card team, they could make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Uh, but I would love to see them get better just on principle. Um, and if that means calling up Francisco Alvarez, I'd love that. You know, but I think if there's a deal to be made, I hope that they do it sooner rather than later instead of you know doing what they've done basically every year they've been close for the last decade would you consider trying to make a package for Juan Soto I would love to do it I don't feel like uh the Nats are going to trade him within the division but yes I mean absolutely like as much as I would love to see you know Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez as Mets like you know I, I think I've said it's like I would drive them to the airport myself like they don't make very many Juan Sotos and the idea of bringing one in like it's, this is something I was talking about with a coworker today. I think he's probably writing on it now. It's crazy to me that like 80% of baseball is, for some reason or another, just like, yeah, I don't think we really need Juan Soto. Like, you for sure need Juan Soto. Every baseball team needs Juan Soto. <laughs> and the idea that, you know, you're going to sit that out on principle, either because you, you already have a right fielder who's half as good as Juan Soto, or because you don't want to pay the cost in prospects or money, like, I feel like you shouldn't own a baseball team if you don't want to have Juan Soto on it. And that for sure goes to the learners, too. For somebody who hates watching Juan Soto play against the baseball team that I have a bunch of my, you know, rightly or wrongly, a bunch of my emotional well-being invested in, I really hate that he's getting traded. Like, if that happens, it just is a bummer. It feels like the, the league's not cooking right if a guy like that is getting dealt. Would you hate it if Kevin Durant ended up as a Celtic? I think it would be hilarious. I loved that rumor. I had completely given up on uh, any sort of deal happening there. I feel like the... So, I think it would be a, a really interesting fit. I don't know what a team that's built around him and Jason Tatum would look like. I think it would score a ton of points. Uh, the rest of it is kind of hard for me to parse. I don't. I really like that Celtics team, but I really hate the Celtics. So this is a complicated <laughs> one for me. But there is something about... The, the idea, I guess I, I respect taking a big swing. Obviously, it's Kevin Durant. And, like, I think, you know, they, they, like with Soto, they don't make that many of those. I think looking at the team that they took to the finals last year and having any 
instinct to blow some component of it up. And the deal that the Nets want, which was basically Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, some other contributor and picks, that like, I thought the Celtics were a couple of moments of panic and some bad luck away from winning a championship with that roster. I would absolutely run that back. Like, and the idea of, of taking Jalen Brown out of the mix of your team for really for any reason uh, is one I have a hard time with. Durant is the only complicating factor that I think would even make that a conversation. Do you hate but that? Would be a wild deal, right? Like, I mean, that's just like as dramatic a deal as I could imagine to division rivals making. Do you hate getting older and not being able to just irrationally hate a team? Because it sounds like you can't hate the Celtics anymore because you like the team too much because you're older now. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I could always get dumber. That's happening too, you know? Like, so it's the sort of thing where they, maybe they meet sometime in the future and they can just enjoy the, uh, like, bask in that. The hard thing with them is, you know, they were, like, really, you know, they played a good style of basketball. They played together. I like Marcus Smart. I'm sure I'd be more annoyed by him if I, like, really cared about the Knicks or the Nets because he's annoying. But like, there's a part of me, if he's not actively annoying me by beating a team that I'm caring about, I'm just like saying, Oh, like, like how annoying that guy is. That's great. Terrific. Everybody hates him. And that, you know, energy from a basketball team and from a player is one of those things that I think I've gotten to enjoy more as I've gotten older in part, I think just because like you, you play in enough like pickup games and stuff like that. Like you meet the sort of like the version of Pat Beverly that lives in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that there's just like a guy in like Timberlands who's like face guarding everyone and talks <laughs> the entire time. And like, so to see a version of that, that's actually good at basketball. I think I've come to admire it more because I've been annoyed by so many randos over the course of my life, just like playing for fun. That at this point, like Marcus Smart is like the all that's the hundred and fifth percentile outcome for one of those guys. So like, yeah, how can I not salute him? He's, look at what he's done with his himself. All right, before we let you go, yep, dishwasher, nothing doing, oh, man. We've had. Oh, a I bad thought someone week. was coming. I thought you had a guy coming. We did, and all right, so uh, that has been pushed. Oh, but more no. than that, air conditioning. The, the building had terrible air conditioning stuff. Yeah, like oh. I was telling Jared that the. They scheduled a big repair for the building-wide AC thing. It was literally the night before they were going to do it overnight, and then the heat advisory started the next day. This did not work out any better than you would expect <laughs> it to work out, and so we were basically, like, without air conditioning as a building for, like, almost two days, and, you know, it was, like, 95 degrees every day, which I know is old hat to you guys. You should have seen how upset the older people in the building were, <laughs> and then also me. Uh, and so when they finally got it back on, it's like the building is just now cooling down. So my wife and I were really, uh, like kind of just spicy and annoyed, like not with each other, but with everything else for a long time. (laughs) The dishwasher is now becoming, it's like cool enough in here that I can afford to start thinking about the dishwasher again. But like my main priority was, uh, fanning myself for like five (laughs) days. (laughs) All right. He's David Roth from Defender. He might still be sweating. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Appreciate you. Have a good day. So, David Roth. Um, <laughs> 90 degrees, but he didn't say how what the humidity was. Yeah. Oh, oh that also, 90 degrees in New York, the trash. Oh, my God. Oh. The trash starts, like, cooking. Piling up? Well, like, it's you set it out on the sidewalk, yeah. and then it just sits there, oh. and it cooks. Smells great. Coming up next... 
Where's Juan Soto going to play next? You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Jared, what were you trying to play? I was trying to play the final call of the Nationals winning and then also the Athletics winning. You'll get another chance at 8.15. Okay. We got more baseball later in the show. But for now, Juan Soto, um, MLB.com, polled 17 executives in Major League Baseball to get their predictions on where they think Juan Soto will play next. And the way they did this, they had each team give their top three. So it wasn't just picking one team. It was, hey, who are the three most likely teams that could trade for Juan Soto? The number one team named by executives across baseball, the San Diego Padres. Yeah. How are you going to feel if Juan Soto's a San Diego Padre? I'm not going to feel very good about it. (laughs) But as with Scherzer last year, let's see what happens because they were going to get Scherzer. They were going to get Scherzer. That was a done deal. Like it was being reported as though the Padres were landing Scherzer. And then 24 hours later, the Dodgers Dodgers got got Scherzer and Trey Turner. Yes. The (laughs) throw-in. The throw-in shortstop who's going to make $380 million next year. Um, No, I... They always seem to be in line to get the guy, and then they don't get the guy. So we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't be happy. Why? Why do I want the the <gasps> Padres to get Juan Soto? Be fun. It's the last thing I want. Soto and Tatis for a decade. Well, maybe two. Can the, let me ask you this? And it's they still they spend more now than you know. Obviously the the uh, fire sale days, but can they afford both those guys? I mean, technically, every baseball team can afford. Whoever they want. There is not a salary That's cap That's true, in this but sport. it's still the Padres. But normally teams don't. Like, the Yankees, when they're talked about potentially trading for Soto, it's like, well, they can't pay him and Judge. And it's like, well, yeah, they well, can. Well, they can. They'll just... But we're talking about the Yankees not yeah. being able to afford players? Like, what are we doing here? But, yes, legit, like, would, I, would, they, would they spend on both? I mean, look what he turned down from Washington. What's Tatis? Tatis is over three hundred million. He's got the no trade clause, and he's right. locked in for the next ten years. I think they would. I mean, they'd have to. If they. I mean, you can't. You can't trade for him and, and not have not an idea to yeah, sign yeah. him. That'd be stupid. You've got to do. You've got to do the trade and announce this extension, yes, yeah. basically right away. Would be my thoughts on it. Like, yeah, there's two and a half years there of him still under team control, but I think you, if you trade for him. You're announcing, and we've signed him to the 15-year, right. 500 million, or whatever it is that Soto is going to end up getting here. Um, to give you some excitement, the number two team listed was the yeah. Dodgers. Yeah, they were right behind. Now the they Padres. would have no problem paying him. <laughs> I don't know. About, I don't know about no problem. Really? You're, so I, don't, I mean, so I you're telling me. The so y- you got you Yankees, got Dodgers, and Padres are like, eh, maybe we won't pay him. You got bets. You have Freeman. You're going to pay Trey Turner, I'd imagine, unless he just wants to go somewhere else, which, you know, there have been rumors about going back east and that he'd rather play back there. But if he doesn't, I mean, Trey Turner's, we talked about it yesterday, if Corey Seager was $330 million, what's Trey Turner now? I mean, he's better than Corey Seager. Well, the interesting part is Seager got the three twenty five, but Correa did not get the 10-year $300 million deal. Well, we'll see after this year what Correa gets. Right, he's probably going to opt out. At yes. least there was the story last week that the, the Twins have not talked to Correa's agent no. about him coming back next year. No. He's under contract, but it's a player option, so he could leave, right. which I which think he is will. funny. Like, they which signed him, will. and they're like, yeah, it's a one-year deal. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we'll see what he gets. But 
I it's fascinating. And here's the other part: the list that these executives came up with. So Padres and Dodgers were both at the top. A few executives said Cardinals, Mariners, Mets, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Can we figure out a logical conclusion as to why the Rays yeah. would trade for Soto? Uh, because then they could release him after a year. Well, they wouldn't release him. Like, in my, here All would right, be yeah, my let thought. him walk in it's, free agency. It's two and a half years of team control. If you trade for Soto now, you get him for the rest of the season, obviously, and then the next two years right. before he's got to get another contract. I guess the logic with the Rays is that they could trade for Juan Soto now, get him for two seasons and then trade him and basically recoup some of the, they probably wouldn't get as much, but some no, of the assets, he's, he's years, yeah. Yeah. but get some of the assets back that they traded for. So the Rays, they're obviously in contention, a wild card team right now, right? Could say, Hey, we've got enough assets. We'll trade for Soto. And then before his contract runs out, we'll trade him to somebody else and get a whole bunch of prospects back. I guess I could see the Rays doing that, but I can't imagine the Rays would actually win a bidding war for Soto because they're not going to sign him to a 15 no, they're not year, $500 million dollars at 50 a year. Like if the Rays did that, I'd be stunned. I'd be like, wait a minute, the Tampa Bay Rays did that? So I'd have a hard time imagining the Tampa Bay Rays doing that. I'll see if the Padres do it. Right, let's. I, they've got a bunch of Dominican prospects. They've kind of loaded up on Dominican prospects, and maybe they've got three or four that Washington wants. They'd have to give up a few major leaguers for him. But, again, I'll just go through the Scherzer thing last year. Like you said, they were holding the press conference. Oh, yeah. It was over. Scherzer was going there. No one knew really about Trey Turner. When the Dodgers signed Scherzer, it was almost like Trey Turner was a shock. Like, I didn't know they were throwing him in. Have we? Is, Trey, is uh, Juan Soto too good for baseball owners? Like we've talked about in this last five minutes, the Padres, the Yankees, and the Dodgers maybe not wanting to pay Juan Soto. Is he too good? Like owners are like, we can't spend that much money. Like you can't, if you're as good as Juan Soto, you deserve 500 million, but he's not going to get it because nobody wants to pay it.